Fly fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet. Or deep in the ocean, casting nets. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. It's a podcast. It is a podcast. Hello, welcome to the Fish Nerds, a show about fish. Fishing and Eating Fish. I'm Clay Groves, Chief Executive Fish Nerd, Licensed Fishing Guide, your best friend. It is National Podcast Posting Month, and we are almost done. Holy smokes, about 10 days left, and this thing is over. I still have room to get your voice on the podcast. If you want to share your fishing tip with us, call the Fish Nerds Hotline, 607-378-FISH, or just grab your phone, hit the memo button, and push record, and make it for me. Email it to clay at fishnerds.com. Dot com And today's your lucky day because my voice is going to end in a minute here. John King, the crappy hippie, is back with us giving you his tips on how to choose the best bobber for fishing. John King is also the co-host of the uh, award-winning spinoff podcast from the Fish Nerds, the Lure Love Podcast. He's been with the Fish Nerds a long time, and he's decided, you know what? I got so good at this, time to start my own podcast. So he and Tim Beat put together the Lure Love Show, and it's wonderful. It is just a joyous show. Their latest episode, the Thanksgiving episode, is fantastic, but everyone is really good, so make sure you subscribe to that. We just love John so much, and we appreciate all this. So without any further of me, here is the crappie hippie, John King. Hey, everybody, it's Crappie Hippie, your tree-hugging redneck from eastern Kansas, and I'm here with a napod pomo fishing tip on behalf of the fish nerds. Okay, let's talk about how to choose a bobber. Well, like most fishing tackle choices, the answer to this depends on three things. What are you fishing for? Where are you fishing? And how? The most common scenario for me is a pan fishing trip. That's where I tend to use the bobbers the most. I mean, really, there's nothing like watching a bobber twitch and then go under, bobber down! Yes, indeed. Oh, that is a thrill right up there with a topwater smash or a good subsurface take. The best bobbers made are by a company called Phil. And I love them because they're made of a natural material. They're made out of balsa right here in the USA. The Phil Upright is a classic that's still on my list of favorites today. And it's the bobber I fished with when I was a little kid. So this company's been around a long time. Uh, They are more expensive. They're a handmade product. They're, I think, a hand-painted product. uh, But they're well worth the money. And you need to treat yourself to at least one of these ageless pieces of classic fishing gear. Uh, Have one in your tackle box. You won't be sorry. Uh, They're amazing. And um, I can't say enough enough good things about them uh, that this good old company is still putting out these amazing uh, bobbers. But there are plenty of choices these days, so let's move on. Of course, for a lot of people, the round red and white bobber is the fondest childhood memory, the thing they grew up with. Those hard plastic round bobbers are ubiquitous and very inexpensive. Uh, You know, they're not the most durable, but gosh darn it, they're a lot of fun. Other bobbers are made from styrofoam or EVA foam. I like EVA bobbers because they don't leak. Uh, They're a little more dense than the styrofoam. They won't waterlog. Your hard plastic gets a little crack in it or something, or a lot of times they're just two halves that are popped together with the tiniest dab of glue. They tend to get leaky. The EVA has a little more weight than the styro too, so I like that. Styro seems to have a lot of issues with different plastics, different things, so I like the EVA quite a bit better. Now, there's still a few of us around that use the term cork when we talk about a float, because way back in the day, that was the material for seine and fishing line floats. Uh, you make them out of wine bottle corks. Of course, a lot of wine bottle corks aren't natural cork anymore either, but uh, there were a lot of ways to get cork back in the day, and um, 
Of course, there were the saltwater popping corks. They were originally made from cork as well. And many uh, popping bugs in fly tying were made just by taking a bottle cork or a little uh, medicine stopper, cutting a slit in it, gluing it to a hook, tying on some feathers. And the next thing you know, you've got an effective topwater lure that indicates a strike quite well. Another unique material that was used for making extremely sensitive floats is quill. Porcupine quill, goose quill, turkey quills, among others, they were fashioned into very reactive indicators. I had some porcupine quill uh, floats when I was a kid. These have been used since the colonial times, and I wouldn't be surprised to find out it was a First Nation idea for catching fish where the bite is really sensitive and and, uh, you just want to know what's going on down there. Uh, You can't really suspend much weight off of one, but it certainly will indicate. We will get into bobber vocabulary shortly and kind of sort out what the difference is between an indicator, a bobber, a float, and so on. Although I've used all these throughout my fishing life, the EVA and balsa floats are what I use 95% of the time to keep those around. I always keep a few round ones in the box as well, just for fun. Now, as far as shapes, that really has to do with what you're up against in terms of conditions and what you want out of the bobber in terms of what you're fishing for. Uh, The most common shapes are round, oval, cigar, and upright. An upright bobber has a body shape like a toy top with a sharpened dowel running through it, so... On one end of the dowel is a spring and slot arrangement to hold your line, and on the other it's sharpened and it's generally painted with at least one contrasting color paint, so you can see it out there. The coolest ones have little rings painted on them at different intervals on that upright so that you can see how low the bobber's riding in the water. And, uh, you know, when I teach kids to fish, one of the funnest things is to have a fun bobber with a painted upright. And you tell the kid, oh, hey there, Tanya, now when that float goes down to the blue ring... That's when you want to set the hook. It's just too much fun watching an upright bobber slowly go down. Just awesome, especially crappie fishing, of course. Okay, so what shape do I choose? Uh, what am I doing here? Uh, well, here's just one example. Let's say it's windy. Uh, I like an oval or oblong laydown EVA bobber. Uh, it has uh, just the right amount of weight. And if I'm searching, it, I like the way it drifts uh, around. Calmer water, I like an upright balsa bobber. And, of course, like I said, for general purpose, always have a few round bobbers in your kit as well. Now, this is just one situation. Current, depth, cover density, and plenty of other factors are going to affect your choice. And that's why you need to go fishing a lot because you take, you know, your basic principle out and then you learn to apply it, to adapt it to what you're doing, what you're after, and what your area of fishing is like. Now, do I fish my bobber laying down or do I make it stand up right? Or do we not have a choice because we're using a round bobber and it's always the same? Uh, If it's a bobber that you have a choice, um, like a a cigar bobber or an oval or something like that, um, and of course an upright can be allowed to lay on its side as well, um, here's what I'd say about that. If you're searching for fish, lay the thing down. Use as little weight on your bait or use a small bait and let it drift around. Uh, and this is another where a round is kind of fun because a round likes to drift. They kind of like to twist and turn, you know, but uh, uh, that's kind of like why I like a cigar sometimes or an oval a little better. They'll uh, cast a little further, but let's not agonize over this stuff. But let's say every time you drift by this little piece of brush, you get a hit. So now you got a pot of perch or, or, or crappie or what have you right there. Okay, then you pick up your other ultralight. 
and you use a, an upright presentation where you want that, that lure to stay in one spot and not drift around. And you can either put more weight on the line, uh, either a heavier jig or more split shots on your hook line, or you can get a bobber with a little lead ring around the bottom and that'll pull it upright. And they do this on all kinds of floats and bobbers, EVA or balsa, more styrofoam. And that's how you can, you know, will help you kind of, you know, you can reel it to that spot and then let it sit right there, or cast right near that spot and it'll do a pretty good job of sitting right there where you want it. Of course, we want at Glasswater to get these lead-based floats some competition. There's certainly no reason we can't make a tin bismuth wire uh, just like we do for the fly guys and wrap that around the bottom. On my list, folks, on my list, uh, one of these days. One of these days we're going to get there. Okay, so that's kind of just one example again of how you make a decision between a lay-down bobber and an upright. Now, as far as size on these or any bobber, uh, you really want to use the smallest one that'll get the job done. If you're lear just learning, grab an assortment of bobbers and experiment. What the problem is, if a bobber's too small, it's not going to hold your bait or lure at the right level because it's going to sink. If you get one that's too big, it can deter strikes because the fish can't move freely with the bait. It makes a big splat on the water. Sometimes it's just so huge you can't even tell the fish is diddling with it because they don't have enough uh, going on to make that bobber move around. So you want one small enough to indicate the strike, but large enough to hold your bait or lure in the position you want it held in so it has two functions that are sometimes at opposition uh one exception is when you use circle hooks now circle hooks work as a fish struggles to uh, hang on to a bait that's that's kind of pulling out of its mouth so it's best to use a bigger bobber than you would normally use i use a big fat bobber whenever i fish with my little number eight circle hooks for bluegill and stuff uh, i i use the bobber about the size of at least of a half dollar and and maybe even bigger because uh yeah, they, you know, that's the best way to get them with a, a, a circle hook is to let that bobber do the hooking. They run off with your worm or grasshopper and try, you know, they're really trying to pull that honking bobber down. That's how they end up hooking themselves. Okay, so that's uh, how we kind of choose size. And um, you'll make your decisions once again as you fish more and uh, come up against different sorts of scenarios. All right, let's wrap this up with a little bobber vocabulary. Okay, first of all, floats. Let's just say floats are the entire category of buoyant objects used for suspending lures and or indicating strikes. So this is it. They're all floats. Everything in here is a float. Now, not every float is the thing, right? So let's talk about bobbers. Bobbers probably the broadest family within this category. It is a float that is meant to be fished on top of the water all the time in general. We can argue about it if you want, but that's kind of what I've come down to after talking to bunches of people for many, many years. It's generally to suspend baits or lures, but it also signals uh, strikes. So those are bobbers. Now, what about an indicator? What is an indicator? Well, after several friendly debates, uh, but determined debates over this term, I've had to come to the conclusion that an indicator is more than just a high-priced bobber for rich white guys in fancy fly shops. Not fair. Crappie hippie, not fair at all. While an indicator does function in the way a bobber does, it is far more versatile in terms of fly fishing and can be used with ultralight spinning rods as well. And one of the cool things about them is they're very aerodynamic. So you'll walk into most fly shops, they'll have a dozen different kinds of these different sizes, different applications, you know, ones that slip, ones that stay, ones that can be pegged, ones that can do this, ones that do that, ones that are shaped for heavy current, ones that are shaped for lighter current, ones that are shaped for still water, da-da-da-da-da. Pretty cool. I mean, very, very cool. The main thing, though, is that they are not always meant to ride on the surface. Sometimes you're going to underweight, you know, that, that bobber, undersize it because you want it 
with your nymph, your weighted nymph, you want it to kind of, when it goes down through a chute or where it pours into a pool, you want it to kind of, kind of dip down and, and you want it to kind of ride really low in the water. Just so long as it stays within your visual cone and you get that indicator factor, even though it's helping to suspend the bait a little bit, mainly functioning as an indicator. So, you know, let's, uh, we're not, it's not pure semantics like I thought. It's, it's doing something a little different. Bobbers is a more simple thing, and you can argue, well, a bobber can be allowed to sink and do all these things. But if I'm going to do a subsurface trip, I'm generally going to trade out my bobber for some sort of indicator. Keep in mind, too, that an indicator can simply be a piece of yarn or a color contrast application uh, done right at the end of the fly line where the leader attaches. Uh, so it doesn't really have to have any suspending function at all. I mean, does it still qualify as a float? It's floating around down there. But in any case, an indicator is different than a bobber. Now, let's get on to this one. This one you see up north, especially in the like Montana out in the west and, and a lot of places. And uh, you can get them where trout fishing is done. Uh, it's called a bubble. And you're just like, what's that weirdo bobber sitting there? Well, it's a bubble. It's got this thing, uh, usually a plug or a screw plug or something in the side. It creates a little valve. Uh, they're usually clear. Anyway, you take that little plug out and you can put a little water in it and that gives it weight. And then you tie a little leader on the other uh, hole on it. So you tie it on one side to your main line, and then you make a little 10-inch leader with a fly on it on the other side. And now you can throw that fly out a long ways and get out in the current or get out in the beaver pond or get out in the trout lake where the trout are at. And it'll suspend your fly, but you can still fish with that, that tiny little lure. Now, also, if you're in a situation where you want the float, the indicator to ride low, this is another reason you can put more water in the bubble if you need more weight and you don't care that it's riding low. You've got really good eyesight. Good for you. Uh, you can throw it way the heck and gone out there because you can fill it really full and make it really heavy, okay? Uh, bubbles, really, really fun. Uh, I have do not have wide experience with them. I mainly have used bobbers because that's just what I had. But uh, if you see them in the fly shop, grab a couple because you can use them for panfish and anything else, and they can give you that distance that you sometimes just have to have. Okay, bobbers. Hey, who knew, right? They're not just kid stuff. Uh, but kid stuff is the funnest part of it, okay? Now, I'm going to talk about some popular applications of different floats that are more specific uh, in some follow-up pieces. We're going to talk about, you know, catfish rigs with floats and, and this, that, and the other thing. So uh, yeah, a lot of submersible inline uh, bait-suspending floats that are weighted down underwater and used in combination with sinkers and so on. But always remember, floats are used for all sorts of fishing in all sorts of ways. But it all begins with you and that five-year-old kid on the bank going, Bobber down! It's been Crappie Hippie, your tree-hugging redneck from eastern Kansas, saying tight lines and valentines. Peace out. Thanks, John. That was thorough. <laughs> really appreciate that. And again, thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And get your fishing tips into us. And we can get them on the podcast. Whether you're fly fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet, or deep in the ocean, casting nets, fish nerds, fish nerds, fish nerds, it's a podcast. Just for the halibut! Fry it in a basket or broiled in a pan, eat it raw like you're in Siam, fish nerds, fish nerds. Fish Nerds, it's a podcast.